Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 207 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. Everybody knows that already. I, know. I don't know why we keep doing the same damn intro. Because That's every me. week we hope to have a new listener not oh. know who we are, catch okay. us, and be so enamored with us they just want to know oh, more. Yeah. And they just okay. and plus Fair enough. And plus I want everyone to know my name. Fair enough. <laughs> I think they do by now. If not, then I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. So what's happening? You have a good week? Oh. Well, in my part of town, I don't know if anybody knows who Yes Lab is, but their lab in China closed down for six weeks, I think due to COVID. So all of the doctors are rerouting probably to every lab everywhere. And we've just got a ton of work in the building. All of it's, you know, not outsourced. It's all done here at night, but there's, it's just coming out of every hole. That was a big operation. So I imagine every lab down there is just getting yeah. a little piece of it. Oh, yeah. For some, it's good. For some, it's nuts. And for us lately, this last week, it's been nuts, but in a good way, I guess. Yeah, I guess. As long as you can get it done and not kill your people in the process of it, including this one. It's always hard. I remember back in the lab when you got an influx of work and it wasn't expected. Man, people work their tail off and Uh just try not to overwork them. And Mm. you almost hope that it slows down at some point. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be honest, I do. But it is what it is, so we're grateful. We're busy. Busy's good. Yeah, busy's good. What's up with you? You going to Florida? You coming to my end of the country, I should say? I am. I am actually heading down to Florida this week. I'm pretty excited because as I look out my window... Here in oh, Indiana, yeah. there is snow on the ground. Well, it's going to be freaking 30. What? I don't even know. I've never known a March. Tomorrow. It's coming in, rolling in. It's going to be in the 30s. It's crazy. And then it was 85 last weekend, close to 90. So hopefully this is our last cold front. But it'll be gone by the time you get here. I was going to say, when I show up, I'm going to need at least 70 degree weather. Oh, yeah. You'll get it. Trust nice. me. It only lasts for a day and then it's gone and then it'll be spring. Nice. But unfortunately, Florida is too big. I was going to try to actually come by and visit you, but I can't get out there in a week. Well, my good friend Heather Voss and uh, Rachel are coming to see me So on St. Patty's Day. And my kickball team won our first playoff game. So we've got a game next Thursday, which is St. Patty's Day. So I'm going to wear green in my hair. Yay. Trying to come up with some sort of kickball reference, but I got nothing. (laughs) Kickballs for all of you (laughs) out there that know my stick. Congratulations. I don't think I've played kickball since I was probably eight years old, but (laughs) I think it's fantastic that a bunch of you old farts are out there. uh... We came back and won in the last inning. Oh, yeah. (laughs) To get excited about kickball. Yeah, I have no life. Yeah, well, you know what? That's, <laughs> neither do I, apparently. Whatever works Whatever for you, works. you know? So what's happening this week? We're going to keep talking about this until either A, everyone goes to this event, or B, they tell me that they've filled the capacity and we can stop talking about it. But on April 1st and the 2nd in Texas is one of the greatest state-run dental laboratory conferences of the year happening at the Marriott Hotel near the DFW airport, so it's real easy to fly in and get to the show. This great event combines dental labs and a whole ortho lab conference in one. So I find it interesting. If you're a lab looking to get into ortho, this is a great show to attend and maybe learn a few things about that side of our industry. Awesome. But it's also just an amazing get-together with some of the nicest technicians in the country. I mean, I tell you, Texans are just nice people. So are Floridians. So are Flo- so are all technicians, let's be honest. <laughs> but Texas, they seem really nice. It's very welcoming at their show. I do agree. So many past guests are actually speaking there. You got Peter Peasy, Jason Stubbs, Tim Torbinson, Paul Cascone, Matthew Douglas, Gene Peterson, and Patrick Strovenoff. Oh, we're going to screw that up. Yeah, I did. No worries. And then, of course, I will also be speaking, me, Elvis Stahl. I'm doing a program that I'm calling A Couple of Studs at a Bar. Nice. Yeah, yeah, you like that? Yeah. I will be talking about stud and bar attachments for pre. So head over to dlat.org to register. 
and come find Barb and I at the Preet booth all weekend recording some Texas-sized lab stories. I'm excited. I am too. It's been too long since we've been there. Yipper. Yipper. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Go with it. It's Friday. I did. (laughs) (laughs) So this week we talked to a gentleman that has a great journey in dental technology. Dennis. Here we go. Kalashnik. No, I actually got it right during the interview. Good. Yeah, but I probably messed it up now. Dennis Kalashnik started on the clinical side and soon found himself liking the laboratory work a little better. After purchasing an old removable lab, he and his brothers found themselves with a lab. Eventually going to work for another lab, Dennis kind of lost his passion and almost got out of the industry. But getting a job at an in-office lab that does a lot of implant work, Dennis relit his passion and is now owning a new lab that specializes in full arch implant cases. Like I said, it's a great journey. So join us as we chat with Dennis Kalashnik. Kalashnik. Dennis K. And now a special message from our good friend, Norbert Ulmer from Grow3x. If you want to save and also grow, Grow3x is where you should go. Resins to print night guards for high impact and flex, Look no further, because we have them at Grow3x. Burrs for your mills, zirconia for your crowns. With Grow3x, you will be the hottest lab in town. And last but not least, if you seriously want to grow, at Grow3x Aligners, and your doctors will say, wow! Be sure to check out all Grow3x has to offer at Grow3x.com. That's G-R-O, the number 3, X.com. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast. Thank you. Is your lab in a position to take on new customers? Do you have the capacity to service more doctors? America Smiles has helped hundreds of labs across the country to acquire new dental accounts. They're the biggest name in dental laboratory marketing. Don't waste time mailing and calling hundreds of doctors just to see poor results and hear overwhelming rejection. Let America Smiles do all the heavy lifting for you. For just $195 a month, the America Smiles One Voice program will help you skip to the front of the line. They'll prospect your local or target area, produce your creative marketing, and do all the cold calling to leave you with extremely qualified appointments guaranteed to help you find your ideal clients and grow your business. Visit americasmiles.net one voice. That's americasmiles.net backslash one dash voice to learn more about how you can increase your lab's bottom line. Use the promo code VOICESFROMTHEBENCH, all one word, during checkout to qualify for a month-to-month agreement, enabling you the freedom to cancel the marketing service anytime. If you'd like to speak to an agent who can answer your questions about a time-tested, completely done-for-you approach to marketing, please give them a call at 708-279-9031. Join America Smiles One Voice today. Getting new dentists to try your lab has never been easier. And we appreciate your support of the podcast, America Smiles. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We'd like to welcome to the podcast a gentleman whose last name I don't even know if I'm going to try, but I'll try. Dennis Kalashnik. You nailed it, Elvis. First, Are you serious? You got it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, five star. Absolutely amazing. And Barb's not here to enjoy me getting a name right. So <laughs> how are you today, sir? I am doing pretty good. I a busy morning today, so uh, I'm excited to be on the podcast too and start to talk to some fellow colleagues. So it's always pleasant. Absolutely. So of course, like I meet everybody, I found you on Instagram and you are doing some crazy, amazing full arch work. I mean, it seems to be that's what you specialize in, correct? Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I actually, last couple, two, three years, I've been just specializing in full arch. So I've been diving deep into the full arch game. And, uh, you know, that segment of the business is expanding and blowing up right now. So I have been uh, doing full arch pretty much. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And if labs are into it, it's hard to do while you're doing regular production. But is this all you're doing? This is all I'm doing, yeah. That and I'm trying to also grow into the uh, surgical guides too because my passion is actually 
really focused around chair side. Yeah. Industry, and I'm, you know, very much involved in the surgery side of things. Nice. And so I am trying to bring it full circle and provide the full experience with uh, surgical guides, stackable guides, and then the restorative side. Yeah. I'm taking it home with the finals. That's awesome. We'll get into all of that. But first, let's find out how you ended up where you are. How'd you get into the industry? So the first thing is I was actually trying to be a dentist, uh, believe it or not. Yeah. That was uh, my plan A. And I remember, you know, career day in school and stuff like that. That was just something I was always interested in. And then I went to school. I went to college. But unfortunately, I wasn't very, uh, I guess, academically gifted or, or hard enough of a student. <laughs> There's a lot of big words in dentistry. <laughs> um, I didn't get, you know, really good marks. I, I kind of made it, but not competitive enough to get into a good school and, and all that. And mm-hmm. between all that, I got, you know, married and life happened and all that. So it, sure. it was hard to just juggle school, work and, you know, personal life and all that. And I came across when I was going into dental school, I was trying to apply to that. I, I came across a job where I was trying to kind of shadow a dentist and learn a little bit more about the field. And then I got a job and I actually became a dental assistant for a couple of years. So I, I had oh, a okay. pretty cool assisting uh, experience and, and all that. I, I worked in a couple offices, even worked in a, a correctional facility at one point doing you know emergency extractions and work like that, which was pretty cool. And I just kind of that passion grew a little bit more for dentistry in prisons and stuff. Yeah. That was actually my first gig was like a part-time gig working in, in prisons and stuff. Uh, helping. How was that? Was that a little, I think all prisons are like TV, you know? <laughs> so Yeah. You do like a, a class about, you know, uh, get your security clearance, you know, what is contraband, you know, not to bring in shanks into the prison and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. You have to take your shoelaces off. <laughs> and I don't remember about shoelaces, but it, there was a little bit of class that you had to do in security and yeah. for everybody's safety. But yeah, I did that. That was actually pretty fun. Some pretty cool guys in prison, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. You know, but you ever had those overly tattooed people that were scared of like needles and stuff? Yeah. You had some big guys that, you know, you get those big tough guys, but when they see a needle, they, yeah, they, <laughs> And they, the funniest thing was actually seeing a high school bully of mine. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he came in for some work and then we, we met, you know, so that was kind of awkward and funny. Yeah, it is awkward. We needed some help uh, of ours, you know, but so you never know who you're going to run into in there, I guess. I guess. That's awesome. That was pretty cool. I was working at a brand new startup dental office that was kind of just focusing on Medicaid work. Mm-hmm. And that need was really big. And in upstate New York is where I used to live. And, oh, okay. And I helped out as an assistant there. And they were growing and expanding. And we did a lot of extractions and third molars and things like that. I assisted mm-hmm. with oral surgeon over there. It was quite an operation. Uh, and I, I got to learn a lot in that space there because they started opening up their own dental laboratory just because they had so much removable work that they were doing. So it just made yeah. made sense at that point. And they brought on a, a technician. He was from overseas, but very experienced guy. And I was kind of just shadowing him, pouring up models, helping out where I could. So that was, that was just kind of became intriguing for me is the lab work too. I actually had some really cool doctors, some old timers in there that were just like, you know, kind of retired. Yeah. They came in just part time and just kind of getting to see how they did removables, you know, bite registrations, impressions, you know, rope wax and kind of like alley wax and all these like Bunsen burners and pots and all that. It was kind of cool for me. At yeah. First. So old school. <laughs> old school. Yeah. Some yeah. older guys. That was pretty cool. Just popsicle sticks, marking midlines and getting a bite yeah, and all sure. that. So that was nice. And I kind of just kind of grew into that. I worked in the lab, like I said, helping out at first with just models and then, you know, helping up wax ups and processing, finishing things. And kind of one thing led to another. I kind of started running the place eventually too, as far as from a lab perspective goes. And it's just uh, a unique experience in the sense that I didn't have any laboratory experience before that, but I had the uh, volume there. It was just so much work. And there was probably, I, I think, Maybe like ten doctors at a one one time. Oh wow! And just one lab technician? It was uh, three of us. So it was one like main guy, and then there was a couple support technicians. Yep. What was cool about that is I actually 
was able to just take one case at a time and just go to the doctors back and forth and just kind of nitpick and ask what they wanted because they really didn't want me to work on their cases at first. They wanted the more experienced guy, but then they realized that I was actually trying to learn and I was kind of paying attention to what they wanted, you know, in their cases done. And I was kind of putting their detail into the work and they started preferring I do their cases and stuff. So it was kind of really cool experience just to kind of go back and forth from the lab side to the chair side and learn like just exponentially that way and and kind of improve my setups and processing and and just understanding and knowledge of uh, removables. So that was kind of cool experience. That was my first laboratory experience, if you will. Yeah, but you were able to, because of your assistance, were you certified? So I was not certified in New York where I lived. You didn't need that certification. Okay. Their law was a little bit different as long as you have a doctor. Yeah. It's kind of a gray area. It was like a lot yeah. of But you were able to try in, actually put it in the patient's mouth? Yeah. So I would actually do impressions. I would do the bite registrations. You know, after the doctors felt comfortable that I could do them, they trained me how to sure. do it. And I would do all that for them. They would come in and just check out the try-ins and prove those. I bet you that just exploded with your ability to do the laboratory work because you had that experience chairside. Yeah, just understanding how that looks in the mouth, just behind, with you know, cheeks and stuff, instead of just on a plaster model. And Absolutely, it, yeah. It opens your uh, kind of view and thinking of how that'll come out chairside. And I imagine because it was like Medicare, it wasn't a whole lot of implant work then. No, it was just partials and dentures. That's all it was, partials. Yeah. Was all day, every day, a lot of them. Yeah. So you ended up running that. How long were you there? Um, I was, I think all in all with that company between assisting and I think it was maybe five years or so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The thing is, it's kind of, I noticed it was hard to grow within one company financially too, you know, like career Sure. Especially if all you're doing is economy work. (laughs) There's only so much they can pay you and all that. So I, I eventually ended up going to one of the bigger corporate companies in Aspendell. Mm -hmm. And I worked with them for uh, just, you know, managing their laboratory and kind of as a LOS, uh, like a laboratory operations specialist in in a region and overlooked a couple offices, trained some newer guys that were coming in. So that was a pretty cool experience. A lot of people don't like uh, working those big corporate stuff, but personally I had a positive experience and the uh, owner of those facilities where I worked those practices was really nice there's a lot of people that speak ill of those kind of situations but there's also a lot that really love it we've talked to quite a few Aspen technicians on this podcast and they're good people they've learned a lot they went through the paces you know yeah. being able to see the case in the mouth being able to do everything every step it's not always a terrible place <laughs> no i i really enjoyed it i you know as far as I, like a job goes good benefits and all that sort of thing so my experience was positive i had a great team that i worked with and the only downer on that was is that i had to travel a lot yeah you were a regional per you didn't yeah. just stay in one office I, at that point i was married and kids were coming and all that so i wanted to be home a little bit more than i was mm-hmm. and then actually what happened was a, a opportunity popped up for me to buy a lab that a gentleman was retiring getting close to retirement yeah i found out you know who the local labs were in the town i was living at and i was just kind of met them and i was kind of persistent to this one guy and checking in and you know when he'd be ready to retire to just give me a holler and just kind of stop by every couple months or so just say hello sure and kind of hit it off kind of became friends a little bit and he actually kind of gave me a sweet deal and everything and hooked me up uh he was retiring and pretty much sold me his accounts and his, you know, removable lab and equipment and everything. And it was right in my town where I lived. So that was pretty awesome because I kind of quit my job and hit the road running really. I had accounts and everything. So when was this? So this was, uh, I think 2012 or 13, like right. Okay. So it was a fully stocked, ready to go removable lab. Yep. And nice. worked, it was like a husband wife operation. They worked together. Mm-hmm. And they were both retiring. They were, they retired and it was kind of, unfortunate actually that guy worked day and night in that place i mean he invested so much time in there he he loved what he did but he kind of held off on taking vacations and things like that and just worked hard and kind of he's a heavy smoker in the, in the place where you go in there is the walls are like black from smoking oh crust yeah he's <laughs> just like you couldn't tell what was the you know wax pot burning making smoke or if it was him smoking the whole place was just like cloud of smoke wow but he retired and always worked so hard, didn't really take vacations and everything. And when he retired six months later, 
he found out he had lung cancer. Oh, wow. And he really just kind of, he went downhill real fast. Within the year from when I bought it, he actually passed away. Yeah. You would never know it when I met him. He was just so energetic, hardworking, upbeat guy. Like you would think you'd keep living and living, but it just kind of opened my mind up to just make me kind of realize, you know, it's not just about work, you know, got to take some time for yourself and your family and all that. And don't just make plans for that one day when you're going to retire. No, I, I totally hear you. We tend to forget that. But enjoy the journey. It's not the destination only. Absolutely. So after you got done scrubbing the place down. <laughs> yeah, repainting everything. It was a rental like where they were at. It was like a lease or whatever. Yeah. So I, I still repainted it, made it, tried to clean it up a little bit, but there's only so much I could do. <laughs> so sure. But I actually, after that, I bought my own building and we moved into that. It was like downtown little building, got a, a great deal. So that guy that I originally worked for, the big Medicaid practice. Yeah. He hooked me up. Like we still had a great relationship down the road, you know, we left on good terms and, you know, we're kind of pretty good buddies. We kind of connected afterwards and sure. Yeah. He sold me one of his buildings like for a great deal. Nice. (laughs) So I moved my laboratory into there and uh, then we had really painted our own place, you know, renovated it and made it kind of like a home. It was a nice little office space that we had. And that was kind of exciting to just have your own business and your own place and all that. And that- Absolutely. Are you still by yourself at this point? No. When I actually bought the dental laboratory, I... Yeah. So what happened is I have three brothers. Okay. And I'm the oldest. So kind of at one point, I brought each one of them in into the dental space. So... Oh, okay. I won. Like they became assistants. And then they became technicians too. Nice. That was kind of a big blessing in my life in a way. When I bought the dental laboratory, I had somebody who I could hire and trust and who I worked with before who could help me. Yeah. And it was kind of became like a family affair a little bit. I had two of my brothers started working with me right away. So there was a total of three of us. And my wife would come in and part-time and kind of help make bite blocks, pour up some models and stuff like that until she got pregnant and had kids. And then, But in the beginning, she was helping out. So there's like three to four of us uh, at a time sometimes. In the yeah, so, big family affair going on. <laughs> and then the baby brother came in. He was helping out too. We kind of just, uh, he was a, a delivery driver at first. And then he started doing some more bench work. And so everybody in my family at one point worked in the lab with me too. So that was kind of wow. cool. And I really enjoyed that. They uh, helped me really start up, which was kind of cool. Like when I bought that place, I was young. I was like 24, 25 years old. When you bought that lab, you were that young? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I barely scraped up my nickels and dimes to buy the place. And the owner partially like gave me a great seller financing deal with no interest for like 12 months. So he hooked me up and my brothers hooked me up. They helped me out like the first month. They really kind of just worked for me. And they told me, hey, man, when you have money to pay back, you get your accounts receivables coming in. Then just pay us for that first month when you can, you know. Wow. And that was just like nobody else will do that for you. No, no. <laughs> your family, you know, you, they'll bend over backwards a little bit further than some other people will at some point. So I was sure. fortunate to have that team. Very fortunate. And it cost me something, too, to train them a little bit, too. And we had fun days. And then we had days where it was kind of the newness of owning your own place, being an owner at first, a manager, and then wearing a, a different hats to be a, a friend to your family and a, a boss yeah. and a manager and all that. It was just kind of juggling that. And it took a little bit of a learning experience. And, and I was still kind of a little bit immature at that point. But uh, unfortunately... Yeah. What happened was uh, we kind of outgrew the business a little bit because there was just only so much money that that business was bringing in. It was a small market that we were in, mostly Mm -hmm. renewables that we were doing and a lot of like Medicaid work and things like that. So we were kind of bleeding that cow dry, if you uh, know what I mean. I was like the owner at that point. And then my family wanted to kind of grow with me together. And I didn't know how to incentivize them to keep them along long term. You know, I didn't understand, you know, maybe selling them shares of the business or how to make that to keep it attractive for them. 
Yeah. So they all went kind of their own ways eventually, one by one, did their own thing. And then I realized I hired my first non-family employee. That was a little bit different. I'm like, I was actually pretty cool. Like I had a first time a non-family. <laughs> I'm like, he's just like, you ask him to do something. He's yes, sir. No, sir. Sort of thing. And yeah. like, this is different for a change. <laughs> did your family stay in the industry when they left or? Um, no, actually they all, they did different things. I kept my youngest brother with me. But the yeah. two middle ones, they did totally like they had a career change. One of them went into landscaping, kind of like you said, uh, kind of like a construction landscaping, building patios and retaining. Yeah, yeah. So he's doing pretty good for himself too. And but he always misses it. He's like, I wish we, there was a way we could have stayed together. You know, so sometimes he'll have that reminiscent feeling. Like sure, get a lot of people don't get out. So he's outside now, but he's working a lot more physically, but at least he gets to control, you know, a little bit of his income and his, his destiny, his own. Yeah, sure. We're all kind of like free spirits like that a little bit. We, we want to work hard, but we don't want to be throttled where I come in. Yeah, no, for sure. That was cool. And then the other brother, uh, he went into like stocks and stuff like that. So he became a day trader and things like that. Oh, so that's boring. he's still doing that. Yeah, <laughs> He's doing pretty good for himself too. So I bet. Okay, so you got your first non-family employee. Yeah, this guy, he's like the best employee anybody could ever ask for. Hardworking, awesome attitude. Like, nice. He was a, a foreigner young guy, but mm-hmm. he was a super hardworking guy, and we got along so well. But the thing I realized after working with him, he was great and everything, but one of my other brothers that weren't there anymore, I realized that I... I kind of missed working together, like, but the train had sailed a little bit. Yeah. And what we were doing wasn't the same anymore. And I kind of lost the passion a little bit there and experiment. Yeah. I was kind of thinking to ditch the uh, business altogether. Like it was paying pretty good money and everything, but really what at that point I was just owning a job (laughs) and a bunch of headache at at that point, you know? So yeah, uh, I don't know if I need all this, you know? So I was thinking, uh, it's a lot of work if you're not passionate. Yeah. And I was just, I didn't know how to get to the next level. I got in this little rut where I was just doing dentures and partials and not to look down on that, but for me, I just wanted to do something new or something different that I haven't been doing and how to get into continuing education how to juggle paying all the bills and you know the taxes and everything that are coming in and how to create that budget and that takes experience and skill and knowledge too so i was yeah. learning all of that but i i wasn't able to really invest in myself and separate myself a little bit from the business to go somewhere to leave it and you know get some new education and I couldn't find that separation because I was like in this hard spot a little bit where it was just, just enough to make, you know, pay all the bills, all the payroll and everything. But it's just like, can't really get away from it and go forward. Yeah. So I was like, man, this really sucks. You know, I'm kind of losing the passion a little bit because I'm doing. That does suck. I'm just like in the same place. I feel like there's no growth, you know, so. And the team is like, I'm, you know, it's not just about hanging out and everything, but it's like you miss the company too that you're the with and all the, the crew. Absolutely. So I was thinking about it and contemplating. I'm like, man, I lived in uh, New York for almost 30 years. I'm like, uh, I think it's time for a change. I think I should, you know, kind of change place where I live and everything. It wasn't really a midlife crisis yet because I was a little bit younger, but I was like, man, I think it's time to try something new. Yeah. And uh, I kind of had this opportunity to sell the business. Somebody who I knew who was all working for someone but wanted his own place. He was doing removables. He was kind of asking me about it. You know, yeah. I kind of brushed him off in the beginning, but then I kind of kept him in the back of my mind. And I approached him if he still wanted to buy it. And he bought the building and the business from me. And I got the green light pretty much to just relocate and move somewhere else. And that's how I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, because this area, I, I had family living here before and I was visited this area and liked it. And I started kind of just looking for a job that would maybe just support me while I moved down here. And I I found a dental office that I worked here for. It was kind of like the Aspen dental style model is what they were trying to do was removables mainly. Yeah. And so I worked there for a couple months with them. As a technician or as an assistant? As a technician at this point. Okay. Yeah. That's when I moved here. And I was doing, that job was like, they had a couple locations, but what was cool about that job at first was the newer location that I was in, um, the doctor would come only a couple days a week, and but I had mm-hmm. to be there full time. 
And at first I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is just like Netflix and chill sort of job, you know, <laughs> like two days I'm busy. And then like the, the volume wasn't really, you know, enough to keep me really hard working. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you're used to more. You know, I'm like, this is like a cakewalk. So, but I still had to be there because, uh, you know, I, I was promised the hours and that sort of thing. They were growing and all that, hoping to get more work. And I was doing that and I'm like, man, I've been here. I've done this sort of feeling like this is not interesting anymore to me. Like if I wanted to just chill and hang out, like this would be the perfect job to kind of just slack off and just mess around. But that's kind of not what I want to do anymore. Like I want to grow. Yeah, it's hard to do something new. Like I've done this and why would I want to work for somebody again doing dentures if I had my own lab doing this before and more? Yeah, that makes sense. You know, so I was like, I almost quit and just totally like changed careers at that point. I had like this turning point in my life where I'm like, this is like, I'm, I can't see a path forward to do something to grow and get to the next level. This is not interesting or inspiring for me anymore. Yeah. Actually, I had some friends in Charlotte that were doing like uh, auto transport. So I almost became an auto transporter. I bought the truck and I bought the trailer, but I didn't start driving because <laughs> I found an ad for a, a pretty cool office that did a lot of implant work. So wait a minute, wait a minute. You were going to get into moving cars? Yep, yep. And you went as far as buying the truck and everything? Yep, I had the truck and trailer ready to go almost. Do you have your license? What is it, the C? This was like a, a smaller, it wasn't like a big rig. It was like one of those dually trucks where they uh, haul like four or five cars. Oh, okay. I those yeah, cool okay. Trucks. Yeah, but still, wow. Yeah. Okay. I was about to do that. <laughs> I was literally inches away from pulling that trigger. And I saw an ad for uh, Implant Office. And this was something that I always kind of wanted to get into, but I never had the opportunity to learn. Or like I said, in New York, where I used to live, there wasn't really an affluent area. There wasn't a lot of market for that or the doctors who were doing them. They had their own labs that were doing it. It was kind of hard to get into that relationship. But here I came across this ad and I filled out an application. And I think I filled out this application months back. I saw it like pop up somewhere while I was working at that other place. Mm-hmm. And they never replied to me. I called them and they said the position was filled. And uh, when I bought this truck and I was about to go do my own thing again on, on this truck transport, they gave me a call like, and they said, hey, we had your uh, application on file. You applied for it. Are you still interested to come in for an interview? Uh, we have an opening or whatever. Wow. And uh, I went in and I accepted that job doing implants. So that place that I worked at was like kind of ignited the fire again within me. And it made me more passionate about dentistry again. They were looking for a removable implant technician or did you get into fixed implant work? So they were looking for somebody who could do all of it. And I told them, Hey, I can set teeth. I can do dentures, but I have never done anything on implants. And if you're willing to train me, like you know, like kind of put up with me for a little bit. I will figure it out. Yeah. You must have really wowsed them in this interview. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess, yeah, they pretty much uh, accepted my terms and we kind of agreed on it pretty quick. Or maybe they were desperate. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. But <laughs> that was kind of cool. When I came in, I, I did setups for them and I realized that, and, you know, I just had, we did analog setups mm-hmm. for full arch cases at first. And then I realized it's not much different than a denture setup. Yeah, it's very similar. So, sure, yeah, <laughs> different articulators uh, at first, soft tissue models that I never, you know, didn't have to do before, and parts and pieces that at first were kind of confusing. And, you know, different analogs, different titanium bases, abutments, and different heights of abutments, angulation. At first, it was like pretty overwhelming. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, it is, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing here, but I was kind of like, I'm pretty much praying every day I go, you know, God bless my hands today and give me the, you know, the right approach to how to do these cases. And every day, day by day, um, I was just working hard at it, asking questions. And my thing is like, I never just assume something if I don't know it. I, I'd rather ask than redo something and then make the whole office and team seem like dummies because we didn't do something correctly. Mm-hmm. And because the patient doesn't care who messed up, you know, they, they think if the doctor messed up or the office is at fault, they don't know it was oh, absolutely. the yeah. fault for, you know, not knowing something. So I would always, if I don't know something, I would stop, I would go ask. Or if I felt I was in an overwhelming situation, I would, you know, get the doctor to come in and take a look at something that I didn't recognize. 
And mm-hmm. the doctor that I worked with, he really uh, respected me, I think, for that and trusted me because I, I kind of had a, a good feeling for just I, I have a, like a good mechanical kind of sense, like, you know, torque and things like that. And just kind of a, a knowledge of parts and pieces, because I didn't mention this before, but before I my hobby was always kind of uh, working on cars and automotive yeah. things. And when I grew up, my dad used to do auto body work. Oh, OK. So I realized there's some similarities a little bit with the mechanics with different torque uh, wrenches and little oh absolutely yeah parts and pieces and how they all fit together yeah it's in all these things i i kind of understood that and i when i was working on you know patients and kind of changing experience that i had working chair side as an assistant gave me a huge advantage in this oh because i was able to go chair side i felt comfortable with patients i kind of know what to say what not to say with the patient address their concerns and i was uh they gave me a big advantage, and patients kind of felt comfortable, I think, when I... Yeah, you know when not to go, ew. <laughs> you know, kind of just uh, be polite, and it just takes safety precautions, you know, not put a throat pack in, not drop a screw down their throat or something like that, just yeah. not have shaking hands too, too much, you know, it's just comfortable in that sense. So what did you start with? I mean, was it like locator cases, simple implants, or do they throw you right into full arch conversions? It was pretty much, first it was setups for like the immediate uh, denture cases at first. Mm -hmm. So when I started that job, there was a guy who was still there that I supposedly came to replace, but he, he was still there and I got to learn a little bit from him and how he was doing things. And I was helping him. I would do the treatment dentures. For the backups in case the doctor couldn't get torque and load the, you know, load the, uh, yeah. the yeah, we would yeah. always have a backup denture name. So at first I was doing that. Uh, I would make all, all the dentures for them and then I would do the locator dentures and process those and deliver them. And he would do all the fixed cases, all the fixed setups. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I was watching him how he was doing those. So I, I understood the concept. And what happened was one of the days uh, he left that company uh, abruptly and I got thrown into the fire with uh, a PMMA, I think, or something like that, that wasn't Mm -hmm. playing. And we tried to put patients denture, converted denture back in just to make him happy. And what happened was they gave me that denture, converted denture, and I was just so nervous because I didn't expect it. And I dropped it on the floor. One, oh. There was like three people looking at me whether or not I could make the converted denture fit or whatever the model. And I kind of got nervous or something happened and it, it fell out of my hands and dropped on the floor and like broken three pieces. And it was just like wow, kind of a stressful moment. It was already like six o'clock at night. I was about to go home and then they gave me this case and I was just like kind of didn't expect it, you know. <laughs> and then I had all this pressure on me to to make it work and I, I guess I stumbled and dropped it or slipped out of my hand. So I actually, uh, you know, being able to work with acrylic and all that, I was able to fix it, make a, a, a jig and kind of a matrix and repair it. But obviously they had to come back the next day because it was already too late in the day. But that's how I started. I got kind of thrown into the fire. Ain't nothing like pressure to get you moving. <laughs> yeah, man, I tell you. Every day after that was just little by little, learning bits and pieces here and there. And what's kind of cool is they had a lot of uh, digital equipment, too. Yeah, I was about to ask. What, they have, like, 3Shape or InLab? Or? They had a lot uh, what did they have? So they had some printer, like a Sprint Ray printer. Mm-hmm. And they had uh, Amon Gerbach Mill. Okay, yeah. They did some a wet and dry mill. That was just dusting away and nobody was using it at that point. So I wasn't really pressured to learn how to use all that, but I, I kind of felt like, hey, if I don't, somebody else will. So it was hard to kind of separate myself a little bit from doing the, because I did a lot of chair side work too. And that mm-hmm. a lot of time, you know, when people get kind of um, comfortable and trust you in that sense, I'd have to see patients and do adjustments and check up on, on a lot of things. And next thing you know it, <laughs> My lab work's not really getting done. I'm stuck doing all these odd jobs here in the in the chair side. So sure, yeah. Felt like I could only kind of learn and start working on on my stuff at like four o'clock when everybody goes home and clocks out. So I worked. Oh, yeah. I stayed some long nights and weekends, and I kind of made it a, a goal of mine to learn how to use the equipment and just troubleshoot it and kind of bug tech support. And I'm sorry to the tech support guys, but I was calling them all the time for little parts and pieces, bits, and kind of trying to figure out how this thing works, uh, how to do the full arch stuff, how to kind of make that machine work. So after a lot of long hours, 
trial and error, kind of messing around. I finally got that sucker fired up and figured out. And made the, <laughs> he and the May milled on that thing, did a copy scan. And that was an exciting moment. And just like that took like, I don't know, it was probably six months or so of just, you know, nights and weekends uh, here and there after doing my regular analog setups and relines and all that, just playing around and figuring it out and finally seeing something happen, come out of that machine for the first time that kind of looks like something that's going to work and be usable was just a super exciting feeling. I bet. How many PMMA pucks did you go through before you got it locked down? Um, It wasn't that much. It was just uh, like the software was just like, I would, you know, break a burr or something. Something would happen where it wasn't nested right at first or my sprues weren't made right. Or I mill something and then I realize my tie bases aren't fitting or something funky going on, you know? So, but it, it took a, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10, 15, I, I was kind of conservative on milling. It wasn't a milling part. It was getting through the software part to allow you to mill is where yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. hung up on that side. The milling, yeah, I had, you know, a couple hiccups, but it was more on the, on the design portion. A lot of YouTube videos, I imagine. Um, I was actually running off of like a dental links program. Dental wings. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can scratch your ear one way and then you can scratch it the other way with your head over your hand. And it was, a. Uh, I was doing it the hard way. Yeah. But <laughs> that's what way. I inherited. It was what I had. Sure, yeah. And uh, I made it work, but it was just not a lot of support, I think, in the full art space at first. with No, those. not with dental wings. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it was super frustrating and, you know, and try to get some help. And you don't really have too much help when you're calling support. And you're doing full arch every day, all day. And the support guys, uh, they just saw them on training, you know, and maybe had a couple yeah. of experience. So they weren't really much help. <laughs> But you made it work. I did, yeah. I know people that used dental wings a lot that couldn't get full arch to work. <laughs> yeah. Just because of the clunkiness of it. I was like running on a like an all-in-one type of PC. Like had like 32-bit software and it was like crashing oh. like not enough RAM. Oh, wow. That's yeah. what was pissing me off is like, you know, you're trying I bet. to compute something and the whole system crashes. Just like between learning everything and then having software and hardware issues. That was just like you wanted to throw that outside the window sometimes. But the, those were the hurdles I had to go through. But we got through them. We figured yeah. out. We upgraded the computers. We figured out the workarounds in the software, the holes in the software, how to make it work. And we got it to uh, fire up. So that was pretty cool. Like I said, the yeah. one when that came out, that was like exciting. I mean, that one wasn't my business. I didn't work there. Like, But I had that mindset of like, treating it like my business. I would come in after hours. I would come in at night on the weekend when the mill was running at first. And just to make sure that went through, make sure that that worked and just see what it, what it came out. For me, that was exciting at first. It was just like, it was not even about the job. It was just, you know, just kind of to see what did I produce? What, what did that actually, did that actually work or not finally, you know? <laughs> well, that's what you wanted. You wanted to improve yourself, to improve your skills. Damn. And it sounds like it brought back that passion that you were missing. Yeah. Where I worked, I had uh, the doctor I worked with, he was part of his business was actually mentoring and training and teaching other doctors and stuff like that. And just that mentorship, like kind of learning the education side and kind of a different way of doing business was kind of opened up my eyes a little bit to a different way of doing business, like not just being an owner operator and segment of education, that part of the industry um, was really cool, like an eye opening experience for me too that's awesome sir are you still there no actually this is about i think i'm a month or a month and a half i'm on my own now i left yeah i did my own thing so i opened up my own business and i'm back at it i'm trying to do my own thing now trying to do it a a little bit differently than how i did it before so i'm still very early in the stage i got my own business name so it's officially all on x implant studio um, that's our new business and I'm yeah. specializing in full arch uh, restorations. I'll do anything on implant restorations, but uh, I like to do full arch. So and it, and bridges, small bridges, single unit implant restorations, uh, full arch, and that's the name of the game. So you still do single units on implants? Yes. Okay. So are, do you have a location or is this all out of your house or what's it look like? Uh, right now I'm working out of my house. Yeah. I have a detached garage with a huge bonus room, which I have more space than I did at the office I worked at before. It's nice. Yeah. It's bigger than my lab space there and it's all available to myself. So I have the space and everything. Got uh, got the place kind of lab benches in, working little by little, networking, trying to get 
some work. And so step by step, I'm familiar with the journey because I've done it before, but it's a little bit different this way um, because I'm not having bought an established laboratory. Absolutely. Yeah. This time building something from ground up. It's a little bit of different challenges and different things to do, but it's not as scary as, you know, maybe never doing something like this before. I feel like if I've done the business side of things, I know what to expect and where what I'm getting myself into a little bit. So obviously the first thing you did is went out and bought dental wings, right? <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about dental wings anymore. <laughs> Yeah, if they have dental wings needs help promoting their software, I know how to use it, you know. <laughs> so what'd you do? How do you start this all on implant business? So the place that I worked at was kind of cool is that I, I was able to meet a lot of people through networking there. Sure. Because a lot of a lot of different doctors came through and that's kinda of exciting to meet different people in the industry and I've we've got a connection, uh, a small network uh, of just working that and meeting other doctors through reps and friends and, and colleagues in the field and you know, mm-hmm. kind of letting word travel a little bit, doing a, a lot of, not a lot, but a, a couple of conversions here and there, um, helping out a couple labs in, in the area because some people are trying to get into this space, but don't have the experience and the know-how. Oh yeah. I have a lot of the chair side and surgical experience and I am trying to kind of be that kind of middleman as you will uh, to kind of you know that that's a good point there is a need in our industry for people to teach labs how to do these conversions yeah i run into it quite a bit where i'm in a lab and they want to get into it they just don't know where to start and the labs in their area they're afraid to share you know or they're afraid to show them how to do it because they want that business there's actually a pretty good market for this i think yeah, what I'm trying to do, and I've had a lot of people reach out to me, and I've got a couple things coming up down the pipeline, is where I will—I don't mind sharing my experience and my knowledge and stuff. But sure. we just want to kind of like the place where I worked at. The doctor shared his experience, but he got paid for it. He taught other people, right? So yeah, you, you just get financially compensated for the value you're bringing to the company. And I have no problem sharing. I've had great, great mentors that taught me down the road, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, and I've had some really crappy ones in my life <laughs> where they didn't share anything. They just kind of wanted to hog all the information for themselves. And I get it. You know, I get both sides of the court, if you would, so to well, you know, understand. But I would like to kind of come in and help and train some of the labs or some of the offices. There's a lot of offices have, uh, you know, in-house labs nowadays they buy all this equipment sales reps will kind of sell them their systems but when they want to do say full arch there's not a lot of support in that space that is so true Um, absolutely you get biased opinions because they're selling you their pieces and their systems but some offices have parts and pieces already but how do you tie it in together how do you make those systems communicate and work together. And at the end, we want to achieve the result that we want to. We want to get that restoration. And how do you make that work? And that's kind of where I have figured out and, you know, had the experience with some of the equipment that I worked with is how to, how to tie those pieces in together and how to produce full arch restorations, uh, starting from intraoral scanning to digital setups to, you know, PMMAs to printed triants to the final full arch. Uh, I did a lot of monolithic zirconia with layered porcelain how to make yeah. all that kind of full circle and that experience that i've acquired and the hard weekends and long days and nights that i've put in and that's allowed me to kind of learn and elevate myself a little bit to the next level and now i'm excited to see what you know the future has for me what are you doing more of the full arc zirconia or the hybrid wraparounds so i only do full arch zirconia um, or oh, I'll really? Do, okay. And I'll do pecton frameworks with um, individual crowns like Emacs or Zirconia crowns. Yeah. Wow. So I do those cases. Those um, are some high-end cases. Yeah. We don't. I don't do any acrylic uh, with bars, or even though I know how to do those if I have a client that needs to do that. But I, most of the doctors I work with are um, wanting the more monolithic, it's less breakage and less, you know, kind of pieces and parts of where they you know have uh kind of a failure prone area so yeah but when you do conversions are you still doing an acrylic that's converted yeah so i'll do a conventional denture yep and and do that but i am also doing printed 
immediate temporaries off of. Okay. So I'm excited to do a, a new account that I'm working with is uh, getting the pick system here. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be doing yep. pick with, you know, printed temporaries. So I've heard nothing but amazing things with those systems. Yeah, expensive to get into, but people who have used them and done them love it and say that they don't they don't want to go back to the conversion days once they get that going so yeah um, that's actually a couple weeks out for me and i am excited about that opportunity and i'm going to be helping out an office to do that and learning together with the pick and so that's going to be cool nice. for me to kind of elevate my game a little bit to the next level too yeah when you set up your lab is it mobile i mean you must spend a lot of time in in offices so i have a like a mobile conversion box that I will take with myself that has, you know, all, you know, my lathe, my handpiece, my adhesives and acrylics and impression material. So that that's on a ready to go cart that's yeah. ready to travel with me when I get called out to some of these offices. So that makes it nice and easy. Some offices have a lab on site, but uh, a lot of times I'll go to an oral surgery suite and they don't have a, you know, designated labs. Sure. I'll have to bring my own. And, uh, and they I'll, put you in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, and I have yeah, I know. Yeah, and so I have everything I need with me uh, on a mobile cart that I'll take with myself. So, so what did you get for your lab in your house? Do you have full mill? So right now I have a printer and mill uh-huh. that I bought, and sintering oven, porcelain oven. So oh yeah, you're good to go. Good to go. Yeah. And what's the plan? Eventually bringing on employees or you think you're going to be doing it just solo for a while? You know, I think I want to do it solo for a little bit. Or are you bringing all your brothers back? One of my brothers actually is doing similar to. So if I need help or he needs help, we will help each other out. I'm sure if I get it, you know, a little bit boggled down the bottom neck, he'll, he'll come in and help me out too. So that's kind of nice that working together at one point has allowed us to uh, have the experience and we trust each other's work and we, we can help each other out when it gets busy. But that is nice. Yeah. And I got, I got little kiddos growing up too. So I'm teaching them how to load up the printer and reload them trays. So once they send those try-ins in and all that, so putting the kids to work too. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's the greatest labor you can get. <laughs> right. Everybody's got to earn their people around here. So. <laughs> is your wife involved this time? So my wife is not going to be involved because she's got, she's actually, what well, we are expecting a fourth baby. So holy schmoly, man. Yeah. She's going through all this morning sickness stuff right now. So she's, uh, I'm letting her relax and do her thing you know i'm not involving her this time i got it yeah she sounds busy enough yeah she's got uh, you know three kids and a fourth one on the way and she's actually doing homeschool with the older ones so she's busy she's got stuff to do wow that is a lot going on so what's next for you other than the pick system or so the the pick system the other thing that i'm doing right now is i am trying to get into the surgical guide so yeah that is exciting i'm actually in process right now of shopping around for uh, experimenting with different materials for surgical guys, for stackable mm-hmm. guys. And I have a couple files that I'm kind of beta testing and sending out for benchmarks just to examine and see what I want. And so I'm about to pull a trigger on a different type of carbon. I'm looking for like a carbon style printer so or metal printing and things like that. So that's something that's wow pipeline for me. And it's a big investment for me, but I'm trying to do the research right now and get into that so what planning software do you use uh code diagnostics okay good yeah i got into that when i was still at the lab and i loved it oh yeah absolutely loved it yeah i didn't get into full arch that was a little bit above my pay rate but yeah it's just getting better and better the tools are getting nicer uh, you know to do what you want to do and more predictable and i love it so that's have you designed a bunch of them? Have you yep. planned them? Yep. So we've I, I'm, I've printed them on uh, the regular printable uh, uh, resins. <laughs> sure. And so those are successful and, and everything. So I'm excited to experiment with different things. Uh, printing our chines, printing our stackable temporaries. So getting away from the denture conversions, uh, but I can still yeah. if I need to, you know, it's in case something doesn't work out or the implant position has to be changed, the plan has to be changed. I'm fortunate to have the know-how and skill on how to correct that if we need to. Are all your doctors involved wanting you to plan or are some of them still not wanting that plan? So some of them, so it depends on the kind of train of thought. Like a lot of them are doing planning and not that they can't do freehand. Yeah. For predictability, just for comfort and just the ease of mind, like knowing that Absolutely. You know, things are going to be prosthetically driven and knowing where your screws are going to come out, access holes and all that. So 
a lot of them are going through training and doing that approach. So they'll plan everything, have the guides in place. And then you have, you know, the oral surgeons and the pros, uh, some, some of the other guys who are doing more freehand and then doing pick, like we mentioned, things like that. So it depends on the skill level and comfort of the, and the training of the, the surgeon who's doing the surgery. But I would say majority is, is stackable guided right now for me. Yeah. So you're planning the stackables. How hard is that? I've never, I've never done a stackable. Well, having the knowledge of how to, you know, read the CT scan and planning the stackable guy takes some time to figure out. And it's, and I'm not saying I'm a efficient and I know it all at this point, but I've, I'm a lot further down than when I was a couple of years ago. So I'm still learning and, but the software is there to help you out, you know, with guys and all that. So learning how to use the software and you got mesh mixer and all these other tools out there all the all the tools are there but having the knowledge and skill and how to operate it all there i'm still fine-tuning and growing in that space too i always found the best part was when you got to actually show the doctor or the surgeon what you planned Mm. and then how much you learn from their feedback yeah exactly i can look at an x-ray but I was never trained to look at an x-ray, you know? Yeah, yeah. And seeing where their head's at and where their reasoning is and when they want to switch a position of the implant, and you learn a lot from that. And every, honestly, every surgery, you know, is unique, too. And there's things that you couldn't take into account for and you didn't see. And you got to you gotta learn. Every surgery, you learn something new. So you kind of get yeah. better with every, every surgery. It's just a numbers game, you know? Some things are repetitive. You're going to see them. And other things, you're going to... Kind of just learned with experience, just like anything else. Yeah. Well, that's amazing what you're doing right now. I mean, there's a huge need for it. And like I mentioned, I think there's a big need for someone to teach other labs. Yeah. And this is kind of just like a passion that kind of was reignited in me that it allows me to kind of do best of both worlds for me is kind of being chairside, seeing the surgeries, helping out there. And then another passion is uh, mentoring and teaching and training. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed both of those things and kind of the best of both worlds a little bit. And also still have the artistry and doing the finals and all the prosthetics at, at the end and restorative side. So I really enjoy what I do and I'm passionate about what I do and I, I love it. And uh, it's nothing like, you know, delivering that case to the patient, seeing them smile and thanking you and those tears of joy they kind of make it worthwhile yeah a, a kind of a, a very rewarding profession to be in yeah it's a big step for making medicaid dentures yeah that was a journey that i was on and that was uh, <laughs> not too long ago but i'm happy and proud of accomplishments that i've been able to reach and all the people that i've been able to meet and kind of meeting other professionals and i think uh, for me also like instagram kind of changed yeah. the game a little bit for me too because i started like taking pictures of work and I noticed things that I didn't notice before. I mean, I knew I always needed to improve and grow, but when you blow something up on the computer and look at things and you nitpick things and you're like, man, this is not worthy of posting anywhere or anything. And then you get intimidated by seeing other people's work. And it's just like, uh, you just want to give up sometimes, just throw it out and be like, (laughs) what am I doing? But yeah, it's just practice and practice. And we've had some great guys who just kind of mentoring me along the way and kind of, in my corner telling me, hey, and I just keep at it, push it and put in the work, practice, practice. And it, it's getting better and better every time. So I'm happy about that. And it's just like, it's nice to see some of the pictures from before, maybe a year ago, two years ago and seeing stuff now and yeah. improvement. And I kind of try not to compare myself to anybody else and just seeing my own progress, my own, just like getting better at what I've, I've accomplished and just being happy with it. And feeling rewarded with uh, the progress that I've made along this journey of mine. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're growing and improving, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I I love to look towards the future and kind of grow and get better and better. I'm just never happy with the same result. Like I just want to find a better way of doing what I'm doing already and make the aesthetics better, make it be more efficient at what I'm doing and learning new skills. And that's kind of what always kind of drives me to go forward. And don't like complacency. So that's amazing, Dennis. That's some good stuff. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to tell your story. I appreciate the opportunity. It's nice meeting you, Elvis. And uh, I admire what you guys are doing with your podcast. And I always love enjoying and tuning in and hearing what other people are doing in the industry. Yeah, I think that's an inspirational story you got there. I think a lot of people can learn a lot from when you lose a little passion where you can find it. I think it's cool. Yeah. Just knock and doors open up, you know, new opportunities yeah. and just keep at it. Absolutely. 
Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure, Elvis. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. There's the dogs. They know when I say goodbye. Whitmix is super excited to announce the new Pro 4K large format 3D printer from Asiga. The open material printer for 385NM and 405NM resins features renowned Asiga reliability and super fast print mode for large batch printing of virtually all print resins. It's ideal for printing any kind of model, dentures, splints, surgical guides, impression trays, and more. As with other Asiga printers, the Pro 4K features the SPS, Smart Positioning System Technology, which ensures that the build platform is in the correct position when forming each layer, providing repeatable accuracy and production continuity. The Asiga Pro 4K DL printer is priced at under 25 grand has a large build plate, and is available in both versions. For more information about the Asiga Pro 4K, visit Whitmix.com. We appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitmix. Thank you so much, Dennis, for coming on our podcast. I really am sorry that I couldn't be there for your interview, but hearing all about your adventures, getting to where you are now is super inspiring to me personally. There are many times in a technician's career where the passion could be lost and it's opportunities like this one that you got that will help people find it again. Thank you again, Dennis, and keep doing what you're doing. You're amazing. That's all we got for you. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Have a good week. Don't get burnout. You can do it. Don't lose your passion. talking to myself. Hang in there, kitty.